Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Called to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Well, welcome. This is Elizabeth, and it is good to be here. It is, I want to especially say thank you for uh, for listening in to the podcast. Um, it's good to have you here. You know, we've, we've just celebrated Easter Sunday, and that's a really big day in the life of the church. It's a big day for Christians everywhere, really around the whole world. Uh, the Easter, uh, the Eastern Church is, is celebrating on a different calendar, and they celebrate this coming Sunday. They're on Good Friday right now. But it, it, ma- it matters not. Uh, the central, the central um, uh, uh, tenet, the most basic fact of Christian faith, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the, the core of that faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who he is. There's a whole lot of things that go with that. But anyway, um, the central fact of Christianity is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So um, I want us to think about that for a bit today because um, there's a lot going on in our world, and uh, we look at the world around us, we watch the news. I, uh, you know, anyway, and I want us to think about what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means for us today because it means something important. It really does. Let's open with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you in your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, so we say that the resurrection is a big day for um, uh, Christians, and, and I want to say it's a big day for the entire world, really and truly, I do. Uh, so let's take a minute and consider our world today, all right? I know, you, I know you can read the news for yourself, but I want you to hang with me for just a minute here. Um, you know, um, I want to make, make a point. I want to just run through some little items here, whatever. I want to make, but I'm, I'm going someplace with this, so hang out and uh, stay with me. Our world seems especially brittle right now. At least I think it does. It seems very brittle. And, and I'm not talking about just like in a neighborhood or in a state or in a nation, but I'm talking about the whole world is kind of brittle. Everything is shifting and changing, and it, and it looks like there are cracks or fissures that are breaking open, and anything could happen. It's kind of unnerving to think about. But um, as you look around, the, the, who's ali- the alliances that are being built and the dangers that exist and... and, and um, I don't know some of the threats to one another. I'm not saying there's. I'm not. I'm not picking and choosing here. There just seems to be a lot of. Um, it, 
We seem to be walking on eggshells worldwide, sort of, I think, you know. Uh, there are tensions that are running high around the world as well. Um, there's a lot of economic stress in the United States. There's a lot of in economic stress and a lot of inflation. And I don't think that it's unique to the United States because our economy is tied to the larger global economy. And um, I was reading someplace, you know, recently that China is really expecting significant food shortages because they have locked down so many of the farmers and things. Uh, I just... What are you going to do when you have, a, uh, you know, half a billion starving people? That's awful. You know, we uh, here in the United States, we are, we're looking at energy, uh, the lack of energy. We don't have sufficient oil and gas or whatever, and the prices are going up. Uh, the food costs are increasing. The ability to get the foods that you want are, are is, is, for the first time in my lifetime, uh, it's a challenge. You can't always find what you need. And um, there, there talks of looming recession I mean, worldwide, the United States, um, especially here. And divisions within the United States are, are, are growing. I think they appear to be deepening and becoming worse. I mean, we've always had political disagreements about how we're going to approach things, but this seems to me to be more than that. If you look back historically, um, there's, no, there's no central core, anything that ties us together. I mean, the idea of being Americans and being tied together, arguing about how we're going to reach a desirable end as a nation or a desirable state of affairs as a nation um, has now degenerated that we can't even agree what is a desirable state of affairs. There's an absence of politeness in our society. There's a lack of consideration for others um, that just boggles my mind that we can't, we can't express basic human decency to one another. We've become very intolerant of different opinions or people who think differently than we do. And we've you know retreated to our little corners where we all hold the same ideas and same thoughts. We used to be better people. And I say that because the illustration that I thought of was language. And I, I've got to tell you, my language is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, how many, you'd have to be old even to remember that, that this ever happened. But there was a big debate about whether or not they would allow in, um, um, uh, what is the name? It's in, um, Anyway, whether or not they're allowed to say, I don't, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Whether or not you can say that out loud. Uh, the, you know, it was the movie about the South. I can't even think of that. But anyway, um, Scarlett O'Hare started it. But anyway, um, the point being, oh, Gone with the Wind, hello. Um, but the point is that, like, that was a big debate, whether or not they could use the word damn in a movie. And now there's no limit on what anybody can say in public, anywhere, anytime, and nobody's embarrassed by vulgarity. And I will tell you that, you know, I've been known to throw around some few words, so let me not be totally hypocritical here, but, um, but that's crass. We, weren't, we didn't used to be that way. I pulled up the Drudge Report because I wanted to see some headlines and uh, just kind of whatever is floating around on, on the web. That was a mistake. I got to tell you, I don't need to be looking at the Drudge Report. The Drudge Report, I do not need to know what's going on in the world, and I do not need to see all these opinions out there that just make my hair stand on end. Uh, but that's what I'm talking about. We've completely, we've reached a point where we can't even communicate with one another. You know, um, I, I know that, um, uh, that, that news ratings are higher when we are negative about things. And, and that, that reveals a lot about human nature in and of itself. That's worth its own discussion. Uh, but besides national politics, there's always um, disaster these days. There's a variety of, of depressing news that, that's kind of unavoidable out there. And I refuse to get into a discussion of national politics because I think that the division in the national politics is just sort of symptomatic of a deeper crisis in our nation itself. So I don't, I don't really want to go there, but I mean, there are a lot of 
headlines that indicate we could be, you know, not getting along with one another well in the United States. But <laughs> I read an article. This I found um, less than impressive. Putin fired the Satan missile. Did y'all see that? The nuclear missile or whatever that he fired. Are you familiar with it? It was just a test. He just said it's got 12 nuclear warheads on it or whatever. Or there's a bigger one that has 15 and it can go 6,000 miles or a bigger one that go 11,000 miles. It doesn't matter. It's not the sort of thing you want next door to you at all. You don't want one of those flying around anywhere. Um, you know, he's rumored to have uh, cancer. And I heard somewhere that he had colon cancer. In another place, he had thyroid cancer. Um, you know, and so he wants to leave this legacy. This is speculation. But to leave his legacy of, of re restoring the Soviet borders. How did no one consider, I mean, you know, if he's, he's doing that, you know, uh, as long as he's dying anyway, why not just nuke everybody and he can restore the Soviet borders? What difference does it make if he's going to die? You know, how did nobody ever consider such a scenario before? We have all these nuclear weapons. Well, as long as I'm dying, let me just bomb the flu, you know, fool out of the rest of the world. Huh? I find that a bit unnerving, don't you? I have nothing to lose. I'm dying anyway. Y'all go, go with me. Whoop. Oh, He's in. I saw a, a blurb that, that says he's invading Moldova. Moldova next. You know, okay. It's I don't know. That it's crazy. Came across another piece of news. This I also found to be very unnerving. China is leading the world with quantum computers, and uh, this is so far beyond my understanding. I'm not even good with plain old run of the mill computers, as in sits on my desk, right, or my laptop. But anyway, he, they have these quantum computers, and uh, it, and I don't. It, it, they, it means that China is going to be leading the way in decrypting codes that have been, you know, um, it's been impossible to decrypt them before, uh, and they are going to be advancing artificial intelligence worldwide. I don't see that as a good development. Just for the record, these, I mean, you know, uh, Xi Jinping does not seem to be a particularly nice guy, in my opinion. Doesn't seem like a really good idea to have China develop with this quantum computering stuff, develop new chemicals, for example, new medicines. Do we think this is a good idea on the heels of COVID? I don't think we need to experiment. Does anybody else see the news that North Korea, North Korea, pajama boy in North Korea, right? Um, he hacked the crypto market. That's what it's like. Again, out of my league, I think I got $4 on, in the crypto market on some, you know, like website thing that I use from time to time. And it just automatically puts money in it. There went my $4. North Korea hacked it for 600 and some odd million dollars. That just boggles my mind. There's the whole Disney debacle out there that's going on right now, and it's a big brouhaha, and people are screaming and yelling. And I will tell you that I am on the side of the state of Florida on this because I do not think that children need a barrage of sexual images of any kind. I think that we are a hypersexualized society, and that is not healthy for the average run-of-the-mill six-year-old, for example. Um, you know, but but oh man. I tell you what, there's a war going on over there in between Disney and, and uh, Ron DeSantis in, in Florida. And uh, that's that's crazy. I, I saw that Johnny Depp is in the news. I don't really keep up with, with Hollywood. I don't keep up with Disney. But anyway, I, again, I was just looking at headlines. Johnny Depp um, said that he is, apparently he is suing his ex-wife because for defamation of character. Maybe that's what it is. I think maybe that's what it is. But anyway, apparently, and he's on, he's on, he's on the stand, he's talking about his, all these accusations against him that he was a bad guy. And, um, apparently, so he says that his childhood was really traumatic. Maybe it was, I don't know. 
you know. But he said that it caused him to uh, abuse drugs and use alcohol and be really violent when he does so. And I got to say this to you. I think that's sad if, if he had a traumatic childhood. But a lot of people have had traumatic childhoods, and I don't think we ought to use those as an excuse. And I especially think by the time that you are 58 years old, it is probably time to stop blaming your mama. That's, that's my opinion. I'm holding to that, right? On a more serious note, and I'm, I'm sure that Johnny Depp has a, it's serious to Johnny Depp, but on a more serious note, really for the rest of us, uh, there was a study done in Great Britain that found out that, that showed that 30% of young people today um, are lonely, that they're lonely, seriously lonely. And I think that's especially damning because they uh, use social media all the time, so they're in contact with everybody. And what that reveals is that social media does not replace face-to-face. And our young people need a place to belong. That's an important thing to, to know. This is the 16 to 24-year-old range, I believe. But anyway, maybe even a little older. I don't know. I saw a story about a woman who was trying to enter the United States illegally, and she came over the wall. She got hung up, and she died hanging on the wall upside down. I didn't, I didn't follow through to find out what the cause of death was. You know, and I, and I oppose illegal immigration, but it's still a tragedy. She was a woman with dreams, you know, of a new life and that maybe she was seeking out family that she was going to meet here or something. I don't think it's ever a good thing when somebody dies in a cruel manner like that. What I want us to see is that the world is full of great suffering everywhere we look. We need to, we need to grasp that. In the U.S., we thought that we were immune to the miseries of others, um, that others experience in other worlds because they, you know, in other nations because they, we had, so much plenty. We were so prosperous. We had so much going for us. We have a powerful military. We have advanced technology. We have great medicine and great scientific advancements and stuff. But with all that progress, we also decided we didn't really need God anymore. And I've said that. I've said this before, but it reminds me of the Old Testament when the Israelites were content and they started making alliances with other people and then they were unfaithful and their whole, the bottom fell out of their whole world, right? And, and, and they lived in misery. This is what happens when we shut God out. Because without a Savior, then people and nations begin falling apart. I mean, it, it, can, be, it can be the whole world or it can be just an individual person. I mean, too often if we look at our own lives, we can see them become chaotic or out of control in our life. You know, and we can see our fears rise and, and we begin to circle the wagons and say life is too hard and it begins to get complex and, and we, we, we kind of shut down. And what I want to say to you is, is that we are the Christians and we need to stop doing that. You know, we need to look up because I believe absolutely emphatically that our God is going to act. I don't know what he's going to do. I have no idea what he will do next. But, I, you know, it won't be what we expect. That is for sure. You know, the amazing and wondrous thing about following Christ is that he leads us in directions we never considered going. And whatever he does is going to be good. It will be for our benefit and for our world, good for our world. We need to know that God is going to act. You know, and we are the people of God. We've been called out of the world to be witnesses uh, to, to that which you know, is so much greater than this world. And we cling so tightly to all these things here and we look at our politics and we look at our values and we look at our neighborhood and we look at our schools and we look, oh, and we get all excited and we get all hot and bothered and we get, you know, confused and we kind of shut down and don't talk to other people. It gets very frustrating. Do not be afraid, but become 
be the bearers of hope. We need to be the bearers of, of love. We need to be the bearers of grace, the people who bear that into the world because our world is lacking the good. And the good comes from our God. You know, there is great pain and loneliness and anger in our society. And we have, we have the answer. We're, we're the ones who are connected to the Creator. We have the answer. Our God got up out of the grave. He rose. You know, We have the answers that cannot be found in the world. Christ is risen, but he's not visible to everyone. Remember when he got out, came out of the grave? Nobody other, only the followers saw him. You know, and so that's you and me. We're the followers. We should be able to see him, and we should be able to, to present him to the world and to take him out into the world because they can't see him. And that leads me to another article that I read. It was really sad, actually, I have to say. It was a, um, uh, an article, it was a report, I guess, on clergy who were leaving the ministry. And it was followed by some comments and stuff and, and things. But it was a survey over a period of, of over 2021. It was, you know, post-election, but it was during the COVID lockdown and stuff. So anyway, I was... Um, I was reading this, and the indications are that the clergy are leaving the ministry in very high numbers, significantly higher than it was, say, even a decade ago or whatever, uh, before COVID. Anyway, and that includes the United Methodist Church or United Methodist Ministers, but it's not limited to those. It is um, clergy from all areas and all walks of life. And it says that they're returning to the marketplace. I don't know for sure what the marketplace is. But anyway, I want to read a couple of comments to you. Okay, since I'm using this just as an example, um, I'm not really going to. Um, I'm not going to use. I'm not going to use names and all that kind of stuff like that. Um, these are just quotes that I took out of the article to illustrate my point here. But it, um, one of the quotes is this: "It said since the pandemic started, it's never been harder to be a pastor. In my opinion, people are less committed than ever. People are angry. You make a stand for Jesus that doesn't fit with people's favorite news station. They'll attempt a coup." Finances are down, and we are overworked with little to no thanks. That was one of the comments. And, and I think that may be true to some degree. And then there was a second person who said the following um, that made this observation. Um, and this was a, a, somebody who was a counselor to coach, I mean, or a coach, I guess, to uh, clergy. He said, my hunch is that pastors were already feeling on the brink before COVID. And with the added stress of the pandemic, along with the toxic cocktail of political polarization, conspiracy theories, and Christian nationalism that reared its head in the wake of the pandemic, it was enough for a lot of pastors to say, that's quite enough of that. Thank you. I think a lot of them are probably quitting to save their mental and emotional and spiritual health. Wow. The church is a toxic place. I've, I've been in churches that were toxic, actually. I have certain, you know, I've, I've had that experience. I am not interested in debating the political perspectives here, or, and, I'm, and I'm not interested in arguing the assumptions. I, I can do that in another time, another place, but that's not my point here. Because what I want to say is, like, in some degree, all of us are um, affected by our own particular point of view, and we see things in a certain way, and so um, there, there are things there. But anyway, I was at, when I was in seminary, we were never taught to think that God would act. Okay, the activity of God, so to speak, was left to biblical history, and there was some question about biblical history, whether or not it was even accurate, whether or not it told the truth about Jesus rising from the dead, or Mary being a virgin, or any of the other miraculous stuff. Seminary was not the experience most people think, but um, 
the reason, if the point being that when I was in seminary and they were teaching us how to how to be clergy and how to grow up and, and run a church, the responsibility for the church's success was entirely left to the pastor. It was completely up to us. Now, all the, these little clergy in training, you know, the, you know the, if if we're out here learning all these different things and we have to be in charge and we have to succeed and we have to make it all happen, we have to work so hard, you know, and that is very different from the experience of Jesus' own disciples. And I am convinced that, that that was completely wrong, the idea that we would be sufficient to, uh, to make a church successful. What human being is going to do that? There's not one. There, I know that ministry can be exhausting. That is true for everybody. But it's not as bad if God is doing the ministry. The responsibility is, for the success of a church is not the people's responsibility. It is God's responsibility to be successful in the church. It's the people's responsibility to be faithful to God's calling. That's an entirely different um, thing, uh, an arrangement for the success of the church, for the life of the church. When you say that, that Christ is responsible for where he where he takes his body, I think that makes sense. I'm responsible for where I take my body. So, I mean, you know, if Christ is responsible for the health and welfare of his body, then what's what's left to us, what's left to the clergy and to the um, to the people in the pew, is to seek to be faithful, to know Jesus better, to to fulfill what he's what he's doing and where he's heading, so that we can be part of that, to to be born of him and to listen to his voice. It is not our responsibility to succeed for him. It, God is the one who is mighty, you know. When we, when we are doing the work, it becomes impossible. But when God is working, then anything is possible, okay? That's true for all Christians. You don't have to be a preacher to know that. You should, every one of us should know that if God is at work, then we can follow behind him and he can use us in whatever way he wants to, and great things will happen. Read the Bible. It's, it's full of examples of that, you know. Can we not see that we have little cause for hope if, if our view is on the horizon and not on the kingdom? If we expect ourselves to be wise enough to go out and save the world, then we have already started from the wrong place and we cannot succeed. We're not going to make it. You know, we celebrate Easter and we celebrate the resurrection. And the point of that is that Christ is risen. The tomb is empty. Death is defeated. What is too hard for God? What is too hard for God? Why do we think that it's our responsibility? And then we have to like, you know, this is what I'm saying, we kind of circle our wagons and come back in and go, oh, this is too hard, I can't do all this. Well, no, you can't. That's the whole point of being a follower of Christ. That's the whole point of God's involvement in the world. There have always been people who sought power and glory and fame. There have always been people who, who invited evil. And it doesn't matter whether you're politicians in America or world leaders like Putin or Xi Jinping. I can't even say the man's name. Xi Jinping, whatever his name is, Jinping, Jinping. Anyway, we have the, people have advanced tools. We have advanced weapons. But spying is not new. Killing others is not new. Going to war is not new. We have been capable of great evil for years and years and years, centuries, decades, and millennia. We're not different from King Herod, the leaders of today, or Alexander the Great, Caesar Augustus, Attila the Hun. There's a happy guy. Human human beings can do all sorts of cruel things toward one another. The reason that God sent his son into the world to save it is because we desperately need to be saved. And there is no reason to think that our world needs saving any any less now than it did when Jesus walked the earth. We have a front row seat on an arena, on the arena of human misery in destruction, in hate, in desperation, in need, in loneliness, 
and self-loathing and selfishness and greed and lust. Every human ill is visible to us if we open our eyes and look around. I know it is common today for people to laugh and mock religious faith, and they especially uh, laugh at Christianity, but that's not new. And you know who laughs at, at Christianity? is Satan. He wants to try to mock it and make it stupid, so we'll quit. And don't do that. These are people who are building lives based on technological superficiality. There's not, there's not a lot underneath there. And they're ruled not by reason. They're held captive instead to, to the, the material world around them. We need to have compassion for, for people who, who mock Christianity, who cannot imagine anything beyond this world. Because look around you, this world is like not looking very good these days. It is not like a pretty picture out there. The news is not happy. I, mean, I think there's a lot of risks in our world today that could, ha- that could occur, right? So we need, we need to have compassion for people who, who have no faith at all, who look around and, and don't believe. But we need to keep the faith ourselves in humility and in kindness. And I'm not saying that's easy because nobody ever goes around telling others, you know, that Elizabeth, she's very humble and she's very kind. That's not true because they're like, oh, she's kind of obnoxious. And um, But we should be humble. We should seek humility. We should seek kindness. And I think the Spirit can do that for even me. We need to remember that Jesus' disciples went out into the world as those who had seen the risen Christ and they proclaimed the good news to a people that believed that he had died on the cross. I want you to think about that. They're going out saying, he is risen, and those people are going, oh, there, he died. Everybody I talked to who was up there around there, every Roman guard that I knew, everybody, you know, he died. And he's like, no, he's not, he's risen. They proclaimed the good news to those people who didn't even, who had seen him die on the cross. If they did it, we can too. If they believe that our religion is stupid, we can still share the good news because our people need a hope. You know, the people, people around us need compassion. They need to be cared for. They need to be welcomed and loved and, and accepted. They need, to, they need to travel to Christ. They need to come to the foot of the cross. And I don't think you get there by saying, you're a sinner going to hell. Okay, I don't think that's the right answer. Life is measured not by what is seen, but by what is unseen. There's more beyond this world that we cannot see. And the rest of the story is still is not yet told. But even so, even though the whole story has not been told, we can participate already in the story that is beyond. It is the story of the resurrection. When the gates of the kingdom are thrown open wide and we can see the glory of God with the eyes of faith. There is no break between heaven and earth for Christ has broken down that wall and, and, and we are joined Salvation has begun. The new creation has begun, and you're a part of it. The greatest challenge we, we Christians face from the world is, is, is not from the world, excuse me, but it is from within ourselves. You see, the resurrection needs to be real to us. We need to be called to live in the certainty that God is going to act. He is going to act because the reality of the resurrection was just as far-fetched in the first century as it is now. And people were in need of Jesus Christ just as much now as they were needed as, as needed him then. I don't think I said that correctly, but people still need Jesus. 
Christianity is not a story of the past, although the past teaches us a great deal about who Jesus is, about who God is. Christianity is a life of faith in the unseen God. It is a life that's lived following behind the God who acts in mighty ways that we never expect. Who predicted a resurrection among his disciples? Who was it? And here's the thing. He empowers us to follow him. Pentecost is coming, you guys, and he empowers us to follow him, to live in him, you know, so that we can bear witness in the world. It is so easy to judge the world. Oh, oh, let me tell you, I'm all over that. I got judgment down. Jesus did not ask me to judge the world, but I have volunteered. It is a big, it is a big sin that I have. But this, because, you know, it is easy to judge. But this is the world that God loves. And this is what he regularly reminds me of. This is the world that God loves. This is the world that Christ came to save. And we are God's children. And we need to be watching to see when and where the Spirit moves so we will know how to follow. We need to be able to recognize the Lord in the unexpected and in the impossible. I will tell you, the most important being in our world today is not a person. I mean, for however important these world leaders think they are, or how big, however big the military is, however many nuclear weapons we might all possess, nope. The most important being in our world is not a person. Our God is the most important being. And he can accomplish more than we ask or imagine, far more than we ever expect. One thing, though, of which we can all be certain, even when we look out in our world, when you were reading news reports, when you were reading the news online, or when you're listening to it on, on, on the TV or whatever, one thing is sure, you need to remember this, this is certain, God is involved and he will act for good. It doesn't matter what the newscaster does or does not know. What you need to know is that your God will act and he will act for the good of all. We need to be a people of the resurrections. The time has come to be a people of the resurrection, seriously, who expect great things from God and who is the father of us all. I mean, you know, we need to pray for our eyes to be open so that we can recognize the risen Christ in our world and follow him in the life of the Spirit with power, with strength, with courage. It doesn't matter what you read. It doesn't matter what you hear from any news source anywhere. No matter how great the challenges are that our world faces or how strong the evil appears to be to us, right? You need to hold fast to the truth that Christ is risen and he is risen indeed. Thanks be to God. Your God is going to act. Prepare your hearts and minds to be ready to go and follow when that happens. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all be praying, y'all be watching, y'all be looking, and y'all get ready. God is going to act. Till next time, y'all be blessed, you hear? You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.